listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine for Mercer University. We have Ryan Juarez. Ryan, welcome in. Thanks, Chase. I appreciate you having me, man. I really do. All right, Ryan. Why don't you give the people a little bit of an introduction about who you are, where you came from, and kind of what got you involved in sports medicine in the first place? Yeah, definitely. So I did my undergrad at University of Michigan. Uh, where I got my bachelor's in athletic training, saw what physical therapists did there. I always loved the rehab part of what we did and always wanted to go to PT school. So left Michigan. I was able to intern with the San Diego Chargers um, back in 2007. Learned a lot there. And my, my mentors there advised me if they could do it all over again, they'd go to PT school just to you know have that degree, learn more, do the rehab so I went back PT school, graduated, came back on with the Chargers um, for a few years and then left there. And I've took some director of rehab roles and just been trying, quite honestly, to kind of climb the ranks and um, just lead a sports medicine department. So been all over the country doing that, ventured in the NBA briefly. And then um, I'm married with an 18 month old daughter and we have another one due in February. So my wife's family's from out in this area, so it was time to settle down, get stable, and um, found this great position at Mercer University where I'm leading a, a great sports medicine department at a great university. Okay. So you, like you said, you had been all over. Um, you'd worked in, I saw the college ranks, a little bit in the pro ranks with the Chargers, and then also in the pro ranks in the AAF. So kind of tell us a little bit, you know, kind of pick and choose a couple of those experiences and, you know, some things that you learned from each of those stops that various levels of uh, sports medicine. Yeah, definitely. So as the director of rehab for football, um, I was at Rutgers University out in New Jersey. That's actually where I met my wife, um, leading the rehab for the football team. And that's where I got the opportunity to go to the AAF, which was an up and coming uh, league out in San Diego, California, where I lived for 10 years. So that was an opportunity to grow a sports medicine department from nothing. Uh, which is really awesome. And I love San Diego, so I was hoping it would work out. Um, and that was great because I got to work with Mike Martz, who was just a phenomenal coach and some really, really good coaches, GM, players. Um, that was a great league, great position to kind of start from scratch and build something. But it had its challenges like anything. Um, but that was a great learn experience that just gave me a lot to learn how to do things, how to work with physicians and just do so much. Um, and when once that folded, I actually had hired my close friend, Aaron Sears, a physical therapist with me at Rutgers, um, hired her with the AAF. And then she actually got a job with the Minnesota Timberwolves after there. Um, I went to Fresno state as head football athletic trainer from there. Um, and then my friend Aaron just, just talked about the NBA and trying to do so many different things. We were really big into injury prevention, and I still am. That's huge, passionate for me, not just the rehab side, but trying to prevent injuries. Um, NBA is a little bit, you know, 
innovative, more forward thinking with a lot of the sports science department. So I, I really took that job to learn, to grow, to get better. So I was able to go there and just learn a lot of things. Um, and that was a great opportunity that I came out of it so much better in this profession. Um, and then, like I said, it was just far from family. So my wife and I picked up, moved out here. All right. So um, I think one of the things that's been unique to you amongst other guests is, uh, you know, kind of building a sports medicine department from the ground up for when you were with the AAF. Um, so you said there's lots of challenges and things you learned. What are some of the things that were the most difficult? And what are some of the things that you've carried on into your you know, jobs after that that you learned from that experience? Yeah, definitely. I think the hardest thing, right, is in our profession in sports, whether it's athletic training, physical therapy, strength conditioning, is time, right? You're limited in time throughout the day. There's so much to get done. When you're starting something from scratch and, and you don't know, you know, the city you're living in, what physicians you're using, where to drive to, I mean, that just, that adds up and presents its challenges. I was blessed to know San Diego really well, but even that, knowing that, it was still hard to <laughs> make phone calls and recruit physicians and get to know where the pharmacy is and those types of things. So that just, that creates so many logistical things that you, you don't learn in school, right? You don't learn every day. So it's literally starting, put, put something together and understand the reason why you're doing it. Um, so those challenges have helped me carry over to places now to where they're a little more established, right? Sports medicine departments are there, but you're still trying to change things. So for now at Mercer, we, um, we come in here, we had nine certified athletic trainers. Uh, six of them were graduate assistants and then three were full-time and going into 2023 next year, we're going to have nine full-time athletic trainers. Um, so that alone of just trying to start that department with full-time athletic trainer has been huge. And all those experiences from the past, the AAF and starting things have helped me in this transition. Gotcha. And then with your time with the Timberwolves, you said that, you know, they were kind of looking for injury prevention, kind of forward thinking um, process. So what were some of the things that you learned, you know, at that stop in your journey um, that you've kind of carried on to what, what you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. So most of my career has been in football. Um, that was my first time venturing into basketball. So that was a learning curve for me because in basketball, you don't get as many rehabs as you do in football by any means. Um, roster small, the injuries aren't as great. A lot of it's more prevention and maintenance, right? So it was funny going into the NBA and, and most of those guys come in the training room and ask for joint mobs. Hey, can I get mobs and stretch? You know, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, they, they know it. <laughs> it's just part of their routine. So we're able to give to them with that. So that was huge in itself was more of that preventative joint mobilization, you know, stretching, working on activation exercises. And the bigger thing from that experience was working with the strength staff, one, building the relationship with them, um, which is huge with any sports team. But there it's day to day you're working with them because there's so much prevention, maintenance, trying to work together on hey, so-and-so felt this today during the lift. Let's work together on how to help that. Um, so that was the biggest piece for me. Gotcha. Um, and so kind of tell us a little bit more about your role now. You're the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine. Kind of what does that mean and what does your job entail? Yeah, so I oversee a staff of uh, nine full-time athletic trainers. Um, I am day-to-day -day operationally in charge of football, so I'm head football athletic trainer, um, but oversee the rest of the department. Then I have some administrative responsibilities throughout the athletics department. 
Um, so right now we're in the football grind of trying to finish season, trying to make the playoffs. Um, well, while, excuse me, still trying to help out our staff with going into basketball season. And at Mercer, basketball is a, a big deal here. Um, beating Duke, I think, 10, 11 years ago, kind of put our name on the map. Um, so that's high expectations. So finishing up football and trying to help our staff guide, you know, through basketball season and preseason and that type of stuff. Right. Um, and so as you kind of transition from working with a team and you're like the head athletic trainer for a specific team, like for your case, football, and then when you were the Timberwolves, obviously just basketball. Now that you're in charge of kind of all of the sports and you're kind of overseeing all of that, what are some of the different things that you've noticed when you're working with one specific team versus kind of when you're at that 30,000 foot view? Yeah, definitely. So um, the big challenge where I'm at is a couple things. One, um, like I said, just getting that full-time piece together. We've had a lot of changes going from GAs to full-time, so that's a challenge in itself. But, you know, just being able to, to serve everybody, and quite honestly, Chase, it's the leadership aspect, trying to love on everybody, trying to give everybody something and not, you know, worrying every day about every little nitty gritty thing. It's about trying to guide and help others as much as possible. And just that leadership piece to keep everyone engaged and, and keep them going and being a resource for them versus day to day, trying to having to do everything, you know, it's just being there for people. Right. And so now that we've kind of talked about all your different stops, right? We talked about your time in professional sports, college sports, and, you know, at different levels. Um, what are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed when you're working now at a university versus when you were with, you know, the San Diego fleet versus when you were with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Um, you know, obviously different sports, but differences between college and pro, anything that you've noticed in particular? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, the, quite honestly, the pressure. Right. So pro sports, the athletes are going to be different. Um, doesn't matter which level, whether you're minor league baseball, whether you're in the AAF, um, you know, NFL, NBA, whatever that may be. There, there's different reasons to why they're playing. Right. They're working to make get a contract. They're working to try to get a starting position in order to get income. And it's just the pressure and the expectations are much higher at that level. Um at the college level here, the pressure's still there. The expectations are still there. It's just different, right? They're they're not trying to get that contract day to day. They're trying to make it to the NFL, trying to make that jump to the NBA, right? And they don't have those experiences. So it's trying to help them, to teach them, to grow them, both male and female athletes, in order to, you know, just improve. So it's just that constant pressure and, and, and higher expectations, quite honestly. Right. And when you're working with those higher expectations, like let's say for your case, when you were working in the NBA and you're having someone that's coming up on, you know, a big payday, hopefully, and they're injured, how do you kind of help balance that, uh, that, you know, obviously making sure they're safe, but also making sure they can get back onto the court as quickly as possible to ensure that they have the best you know, possibility of, you know, getting that, that major contract that they're, they're looking for? Yeah, definitely. I think honestly, it's, it's having a good foundation, right. Of knowing, your return to play and being what you've learned, what you've been taught over your experiences. I was blessed to learn some, from some great people at the San Diego Chargers, uh, James Collins and Damon Mitchell, who are still there, who are just phenomenal and great at rehab. So it's, it's learning those things to know how to get them back fast, safe, and effectively. And that's the biggest thing. That, that's sports rehab, right? Everyone, there's so many ACLs that are out in the world, right? At the pro level, it's getting people back. They want to get back fast, 
right? But you got to put them out there safe so they don't have a re-injury, right? But then they got to go out there and be able to beat the person across from them, whether it's, whether it's on the court, on the football field, they got to perform at a high level. So it's knowing what it takes to get them there. And it's having that challenging rehab of taking people through certain things in order to get them there. And that's, that's the big thing. Right. Um, and so as you're now the, you know, associate athletic director over the whole sports medicine department, when you're working with those other professions, like you mentioned, you have, you know, nine athletic trainers and you're working with the strength coach staff for, you know, for you, the football team, what's, uh, what's the key to kind of balancing working with all the different professions and making sure that communication, um, is taken care of. So all the athletes are, you know, accounted for. Yeah. I think the big thing for me is just investing time and that time is meeting right? If you can do it face-to-face or on the phone and just, like you said, it's communication, communication, just talking about it. So for us and our strength staff in football, we meet daily. We go over the injury report on guys, on guys who aren't injured and things that the strength staff sees. And then um, our sports medicine staff, we try to meet weekly just to go over everybody. So we're all on the same page and just trying to constantly communicate. And, And it sounds easy, right? Just having a conversation every day but with our schedules. That's the hardest part <laughs> is being able to sit down for 10 minutes and have a talk without people coming to your door or trying to interrupt you. Um, so it's just literally talking about the athletes. So that's what it's about first and foremost. Right. Um, and so when you, you've been around um, sports PT and sports rehab for quite a long time. Uh, so this is kind of more broad general question. So what makes a good sports clinician to you, whether it's a strength coach, whether it's a, athletic trainer, whether it's a physical therapist, what's some of the characteristics that stand out that make you think this is a good sports clinician? First thing is love, loving what you do. You got to love sports. You got to love the grind of it. So having love for whatever game that you're working in. Um, and then it's the work ethic, right? So it's, it's not easy. If it was easy, everyone in the world would be in sports. Right. But it's long hours. It's hard work. It's high expectations. Coaches are demanding. Players are demanding. Teammates are demanding. Um, And that's the biggest hard uh, hardest part, excuse me. Right. Is being able to handle that grind to to love the sport that you're doing to serve others. So that's that's the biggest thing is just loving what you do and being able to put the work in. Right. Um, I think that's a great answer because uh, it's like every job requires you to love it. But I think with sports, it's a lot more demanding. You know, a lot of people on this podcast have talked about the long hours and, you know, the un, kind of the unsung heroes. But you can't really look for things because, you know, it's just your job to kind of make sure you take care of these these super high level athletes. Um, so kind of more clinically, when you're working with different athletes, because you're kind of in charge of everybody, when, you, when you're working with, you know, if it's swim and dive versus football versus gymnastics, they're all different you know, um, types of athletes, they all require different energy demands. They all require different, um, demands to return to sport. So kind of, how do you balance working with, you know, a 90 pound gymnast versus your 300 pound offensive lineman? Cause they're obviously two very different types of people. How do you kind of make sure that you meet the demands for their rehab? I think the first thing that I do is try to build that relationship with them, no matter the sport, male, female. Um, cause once you can, show them that you care, that's how you get their buy-in, right? And then by showing that you care, getting to know them, learning about them, that'll allow you to dictate your rehab based off that, right, on what their demands are. Um, Funny story, when I first left the Chargers, I got to Tennessee Tech, Cookville, Tennessee, and I primarily worked with football, but oversaw rehab for all the sports. So football, you know, it's a grind, it's a challenge, you got to 
rehab them a certain way, motivate them, push them to get back out there. Um, I was working on a volleyball girl and, you know, just kind of treated her like a football player and just went through the motions and it was shoulder injury and, you know, doing my passive range of motion, strengthening and just kind of just going. And one day she started crying on me. <laughs> I don't even know what I said. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And she just, she just had a bad day. And I was just adding to it, you know, by trying to motivate. So it was a big lesson for me just to talk to each patient and, and go with what their day is, right? What sport they are, what their demands are, because different sports are going to have different demands from weightlifting, from time from conditioning. So it's being able to adapt to the person in the sport. Right. I think that's a, a great answer because, you know, if you're working in PT, we kind of start to build these like habits of like, if you're treating a total knee, you kind of start to treat total knees the same, but every person is going to respond very differently. There might be some people that recover much quicker versus someone that takes a longer time and has a lot more pain. So treating each person individually is, is super, super important. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so kind of speaking more specifically about sports PT, you know, because this population of this podcast is uh, kind of aspiring sports clinicians in any realm. Uh, what are some different skills or things that are an absolute? If you were to hire someone for your staff, no matter where you're working, what's some things that you would look for, like hard skills and soft skills wise, to uh, be part of your team? Yeah, definitely. So uh, a couple things. My big one is manual therapy, putting your hands on people. So my mentors taught me from an early age of, hey, power of touch, right? Putting your hands on people. Athletes want you to touch them, want you to look you look them in the eye, right? Be able to have that conversation. So putting your hands on people, whether that's soft tissue mobilization, joint mobs, uh, manual stretching, right? Manual resistive exercise. That's huge for me. I still do that daily with every athlete. I, I work with some variants, some type of manual resistance. Um, and it's hard work. It's more work for us, but the athletes buy in. You gain their buy-in quicker, faster, and they believe in you. Um, so that's one of my first questions of, you know, what's your treatment philosophy? And I'm hoping to hear manual therapy. There's variations of that, right? But, but putting your hands on people and that's a big one. Um, and then kind of like I said earlier, just having some experience in sport. It doesn't matter, right? I get right now, I, I came to Georgia and reached out to local PT schools and I always would prefer a PT ATC, but that's, you know, professions decreasing to have both the dual certified. Um, but my hesitation with PT school students is, is you've never been in this environment, right? An athletic training room in a sports setting is very, very different than the outpatient ortho clinic. And I don't care if it's sports clinic, you know, a sports specific orthopedic clinic, it's different. So just being in that environment, having a little bit of experience in the athletic training room, being around a team, you got to have that to start just to know what you're walking into. Cause you walk in here day one and 50 people are running through the room. Hey, can you look at this. Hey, I need this. And you just, it's overwhelming. So just that little bit of some type of sport experience specifically. Gotcha. Um, and so kind of walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be you. Um, obviously your schedule is super busy and you're probably running around 50 different places, but like a typical day, from like time you get up, kind of walk us through what it's like to be you. Yeah, so right now we are a evening team practice. So Monday nights we'll practice at 7 p.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we practice at 4 p.m. Uh, we'll do treatment at 7 a.m. sharp um, every day. Um, Monday, Wednesday the football players have lifts at 6 a.m. 
Um, no lift Tuesday, Thursday in season. So on those Monday, Wednesdays, we'll be in at six to cover the lift, start treatment at seven. Tuesday, Thursday, we get a little bit more of a break. So we get to start at seven. Uh, most of those days I try to work out beforehand. So if it's a 6 a.m. start, I'll try to get in the weight room at five, get something in, shower quick and be ready. Seven o'clock start, I'll be in at six just to knock something out. Um, and then from there, we got treatment until about nine. I jump into staff meeting at 930 and then treat guys throughout the day based off class schedule if we don't get enough in the morning. Um, and then for me, it's admin duties throughout the day, doing my paperwork, trying to look over other sports. About two o'clock, we start taping and guys start rolling through in between meetings and it's just a nonstop grind and then get them out through practice, finish up practice about six and then a couple post-practice treatments and then try to head home for the night. Gotcha. And then um, talk us through like a game day, like a home game day for you, kind of what your routine is for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think we played at home this last Saturday, started at three o'clock kickoff. We opened the training room at 830. Um, it had, you know, open available hours for treatment, 830 to I think 930. And then the guys have a routine. They do a quick flex warm up stretch in the weight room with the strength staff and they go through meetings. And then about 1230, I believe we start our pregame taping and, and all that stuff. So Kind of a nice lull in there just to hang out and kind of get our minds right, ready for the game, and then it's it's go time. Gotcha. Um, and so now as the season's kind of coming to a close uh, for you guys, um, as it's wrapping up the year, do you have a favorite memory or anything that stands out in particular for this, this past season for you guys? Yeah, so this past season I've, I've been able to hire and develop a really good staff, and we are – it's nice when you work with great people who are like-minded and, and want to be great in their profession. So I got two great assistant athletic trainers who are just doing a phenomenal job. And it's, it's fun when we're all chasing the same mission. And honestly, it's working with my staff. It's, it's fun. It makes it really, really nice to come to work every day and to grind it out with them. Perfect. Um, and so last question we got for you before uh, we get you out of here. Do you have any advice for any aspiring um, sports clinicians, whether they're in school, they're thinking about going to, um, school or they're currently in PT school or anybody that wants to kind of get into the sports realm at all? Yeah, definitely. I think my two biggest things, and I was thinking about this coming on the show, was number one, right, being able to have that experience to know what you're walking into. So volunteer, whether it's athletic training room, local college, something, and just, just to see what it's like in the actual sports setting with the actual sports team, right? to know just one day of what it's like from start to finish because it gets hectic and gets crazy. The second thing, being a PT, um, I'll never forget this. One of my best friends was my roommate in, the, in PT school, and uh, I graduated. He was, I think, two classes below me, so he still had a little bit of time. Um, I got an outpatient ortho job at a local clinic, and then six months later, the Chargers called me back. And I was super excited, you know, and just that was big time. So I went home to tell him and, you know, we're celebrating. I walk in and, and tell him, like, hey, you know, i am got the job with the Chargers. And his first response was, oh, great. So you'll be doing all the rehab and leading them there. And I said, well, no, uh, my boss has been there 25 years and he has way more experience with, than me. Um, so I won't be leading at all. You know, and that that's kind of stuck with me throughout my career because, PT school, young PTs and clinicians, that they think when they come into a sports setting that they're just automatically going to, you know, be able to lead it, be able to know. But it takes time to develop 
your skill set, right? To get that experience to know how to take an ACL through, not just to get them through, but to get them back on the field and perform at a high level. So that's been the biggest thing for me is just being humble as PTs coming into the sports setting and being able to learn and adapt to, to some challenging things because sports PT is hard. It's not for everybody. And it's very, very hard to get people at a high level. It's not the clinic, right? It's not getting people to do your ADLs and go upstairs and go downstairs. You got to do a lot more than stairs in the sports setting. So that's, that's the biggest thing, just the message out there to all the aspiring PTs is be ready to learn, be hungry to, to get better and improve in a new environment. All right. Perfect. Um, I think that's great advice. Um, you know, for people that want to get into the sports field, realize that there's a lot left to learn and to, you know, keep working hard. Um, Ryan, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate you carving out some time, you know, to kind of chat with us and kind of share your experiences because, uh, your experiences are plenty from, you know, college all the way to the professional level. So we really appreciate it. Uh, before we get you out of here, do you have anything that you'd like to plug? I just want to thank you, Chase, for doing this. And it's something that I've always told myself I would like to do more for both our profession, PT and athletic training. Um, I just never done it. So I'm thankful for you doing this and helping our profession out. It's really good. So thank you for that. All right. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it. And this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Huge thank you to the Associate Athletic Director of Sports Medicine from Mercy University, Ryan Juarez, for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. If you liked what you heard or want to hear more episodes from great future episodes, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you